Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. What is up, all of my beautiful freaking people? Welcome back to another episode of FML Talk. I have a juicy, good, phenomenal fucking episode for you today that's going to knock you on your fucking ass if I don't mind saying so myself. So sit back, grab your journal, maybe a self-love cocktail, and welcome to FML Talk. Oh my god. Wait, how old was the other girl? 19. Can you believe that shit? Hey, this is Gabrielle Stone. Good book. <gasps> he did what? 48 hours? What a dick. Yeah, but have you seen all the photos on her Instagram? And this is FML Talk. Oh no, she didn't. All right, you guys. This episode is so good. I learned something. Y'all are going to learn something. It's a fucking good one. Alana Pratt is a global media personality, intimacy expert, and a certified master coach. She has been creating an incredible practice and career by the willingness to heal her own heart. And you know, on this show, we love people that heal their own shit and then help others by doing so. Um, I was really intrigued after I went on her show um, and started to get to know a little bit more about her and realized what a crazy history she has that led her to doing the amazing work that she's doing. So I knew I wanted to start this episode with kind of like getting to know her a little bit and giving you guys her backstory of what she's gone through. This episode is going to inspire you to move the fuck on from any heartbreak or divorce or grief that you have gone through. This episode is going to inspire you to not stay stuck in your victimhood. This episode is going to inspire you to heal. Um, and if nothing else, if you're just walking through life like shitting out sunshine and rainbows, good on you. Um, it's going to give you a juicy, wild fucking story of what this woman has gone through. She is insanely inspiring. And I just fell in love with her during this interview. Um, and I know that you guys will as well. I want to offer a little bit of a trigger warning. She does get into a story of her experience with sexual assault. Um, so we do touch on that for about five minutes of the episode. So be forewarned that that is in here. I hope you guys listen with an open heart and really take in some of the golden truth bombs that she is about to drop, especially when it comes to knowing who you are and how to be alone and not be lonely and how big of a difference that is. All right, let's get into it. Alana Pratt, welcome to FML Talk. I am so incredibly excited to have your beautiful self here. How are you? <laughs> I am great. You are radiant and delicious, and thanks for having me. I love you for saying that. When we are recording this, I am super fucking pregnant. By the time this airs, I will probably not be pregnant, <laughs> but I appreciate you for that either way. Your energy is just so delicious, is like the mm -hmm. best word I can come up with. 
Thank you. Thank you. I'm just remembering my son is 20. He's like six, five. And as I said, when you were on my show, I haven't spoken to him in three years, which really hurts. Like he can't even say the words, but I do have such great memories of being pregnant. Mm. Uh, I loved my boobs. I loved the, <laughs> the freedom to like, I used to be a model when I was little, when I was younger and before that a dancer. And it was all about the perfect body. And mm-hmm. something about being pregnant just gave me permission to have curves and yes. voluptuous. And I loved it. Yes. I, I resonate with that quite a bit. Okay. Can we just get into a little bit about your background? Like, yeah. Tell people kind of how you came to be an intimacy expert. And then I we're going to dig into how you got pregnant and that whole journey because you mentioned it on your show. And I was like, yeah. we need to get into we that and discuss talk. it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm Canadian, a small town Canadian girl from British Columbia. Hopped on Uncle Phil's 18 wheeler when I was like 20, quit college and moved to Hollywood because I was going to make it. And I didn't. I failed, but uh, I tried. <laughs> I tried. And I had $40 the day that I um, actually got a job dancing. I'd been a dancer since five years old. So that was my plan. And so I got a job dancing in Japan. And I lived over there for four years. And I was a model and a spokesperson and backpacked and met husband number one, Wall Street guy, and um, moved to New York City. And then I was the smart girl. And I went to Columbia University and graduated cum laude from Columbia, all these things. And I lost myself in that Mm. first marriage because he met me as a topless dancer in like the hot club in Tokyo. Mm. But as soon as we got on the plane to come home, he was like, are you going to wear that? I'm like, I always wear this. And uh, I just all of a sudden the pixie little French short haircut turned into the bob and the ripped ass jeans turned into, you know, the Burberry. And and I just became the good little Wall Street wife. And we moved out to LA and all of a sudden I started going to Agape and I found more spiritual people. And I'm like, I'm not crazy to be hiding in the closet meditating because he thinks that's so weird. I'm cool weird. <laughs> right. And that ended. And while I wasn't an intimacy expert at that point, I started to take workshops to try to save that marriage. I didn't just give up. We did all the workshops and all the therapy. And I started to realize as I volunteered in different organizations, people would tell me things that they hadn't told, not only had they not told others, sometimes they hadn't even told themselves. Mm. There was something about the safety and the non-judgment that I'd cultivated within myself that was a safe place for them to be heard and feel not broken. Mm -hmm. So with the second marriage, that happened right when my mom was dying. And we can get into all those details later. But uh, I was like, no, I'm good at this. And I love, I love, it's a privilege to be that safe place for someone to share the unspeakable and not only just receive it, but be trained in the ability to integrate that pain into power mm-hmm. or that shame into like living without apology or that like sorrow beyond sorrow into either forgiveness or allowance or peace. And I just love going into shadows and darkness and I'll sit with people for eternity. Like I, I'm good. Like I'll Mm -hmm. be with them and I also have their back with them strong as a motherfucker and patience, as much patience as eternity. And it seems those, I guess we could even say masculine, feminine energies. It's just, I love, I love what I do. Yeah. That's amazing. Mm. Oh my God. You just have such a soul that like Mm. radiates and shines. Okay. So when your mom died, yeah, your sister's wedding was a week after. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So kind of take me through what went down that weekend. Yeah. Well, 
she died. We didn't have enough time to even, you know, yes, we're going to burn her. So no, we don't need the flashy coffin. Like it was just very logistical. And we, we got in her minivan. <laughs> she left us the minivan. We're like, well, nobody wants a minivan, mom. But anyways, <laughs> in, her, in her minivan, we're driving from British Columbia over the Rocky Mountains to Alberta for the wedding. And we're just like, how are we going to get through this? We're just going to pretend she's on vacation. That's what mm. we're going to do. We'll do the funeral later. We'll clean out the house later. We'll do everything else later. She's burned and cremated. She's in a box someplace. She's, and we, I just drank and I just drank. And my sister drank and we cried. And I remember my second husband, I met him knowing she was dying. And I know this wasn't a very enlightened, I didn't consciously do it this way, but my heart was so closed. My dad had somebody, he remarried. My sister was getting married. I didn't have anyone. I'm like, a man and a baby is a plan. Mm. But my close heart attracted another close heart. And I got married real fast and I got pregnant. And I remember we never really had a lot of fun having sex, but that one night at my sister's wedding, it was good sex. Of course. That, that was the night that um, my son's soul came into my body. Mm. And uh, I got a divorce within a year. I was a single motherless mom. I mm. had a beautiful birth, which I was telling you about. Doesn't have to be bad. Seven minutes, yep. no drugs, eating in and out burger, five pushes. He was here manifesting that for myself. Oh yeah. Um, it's totally, <laughs> totally, totally possible. And it's actually a, a concept. I'll just say a little bit and then I'll keep going for your benefit or the, the listeners. What we resist persists, mm -hmm. including a contraction. So when the body contracts, if we resist it, the baby stays stuck up at the top. But right. if we surrender, and you know how to do this from all the inner work you've done, when the pain arises, open your heart, breathe, lean in, it'll integrate. Yeah. True. We know this, right? So the very same thing is with birth. Like when the contraction happened, I didn't call it that. I called it a surge. I took hypnobirthing mm. and I opened to it. So that's why I was sitting on my bouncy ball, eating my in and out burger. And he was all the way transitioned and I was fine. Right. So again, I didn't resist. So don't resist and it'll be great. Love it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I found out very quickly that I'd married a very angry man because my heart was angry that my mom died. Yeah. And when I realized that he quit his job on the day our child was born. He texted me. I was still in the hospital. We're just going to live off your mom's inheritance. Oh my God. Yeah. And so I'm like, oh, I will not be your free ride. And yeah. then the, the truth of who he was, was started seen. to come out. Right. And so, so it turned into a 12 year custody battle. Oh my God. Okay. So the divorce was initially your decision. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it was after about a year. Yeah. After about a year, I realized therapy wasn't working. I was sleeping through the night. The hormones have, you know, um, balanced out. This is him. And I, yeah. I did it again. This was my second divorce. Right. Like, what's wrong with me? I did it again. Mm. And from his point of view, I have understanding. I humiliated him. I said I would marry him forever. And I didn't. I left him. I publicly mm. embarrassed him. And right. so a closed heart doesn't have compassion and understanding. A closed heart gets revenge. Mm. And so the best way he knew how to get back at me was to try to take our son away from me. Summer is here and life is not slowing down for us anytime soon. One of the things we have continuously relied on making our lives so much easier is factor meals. No prep, no mess, no cleanup meals. I have really been off the wagon with my eating since having my son, and for my health, my wellness, and my mental sanity, I have been switching my dinners to more healthy options from Factor. 
They have 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, so I never get bored. And Tay is continuously shocked every time he sits down to eat one because they are so freaking tasty. They have breakfast, lunches, dinners, and desserts. It's a treat to have restaurant-quality food that is so easy to prepare and doesn't come with the insane Postmates bill. Head to factormeals.com slash FMLtalk50 and use code FMLtalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code FMLtalk50 at factormeals.com slash FMLtalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Enjoy, FMLers. Okay, so take me through how that was because I know a lot of people that write into my show will always ask about co-parenting and like co-parenting with a narcissist and how did you deal with a 12-year custody battle and how did that end? Oh my God, I don't know how I did it. I do not know how I did it. I was operating on fumes. It was horrendous because I'd go to like maybe from preschool to kindergarten and i get there and everybody would hate me. And everybody would look at me weird. And I'm like, hi, I'm Gabriel's mom. Oh, yeah, we heard about you. And he had already Uh, gone there to tell everybody that I was batshit crazy or whatever he said, all the way to like being in court. And you get like the witnesses who's going to be questioned. My dad, my sister were on his side. He'd gone behind my back to turn my family against me. Oh, yeah. It was awful. In court, they were like, oh, you're an intimacy expert. You probably sleep with all your clients. What? Like anything they could do to be as cruel as possible to take him away. So Mm. how did I get through it? Presence, presence. I had to just be there. I had to take care of myself in the weeks I didn't have him because it was Mm 50-50. And I had to cry my face off, had to hit pillows. I had to go to therapy. I had to be with my women's group. I had to take care of money. I had to grieve my mother. I had to do all the things so that when I had my son for that week, I was present. Mm. And that was my best. I could just, can I keep my heart open? as you say so beautifully as well, in the face of anything and Mm -hmm. love this little cherub and be self-expressed. And I really found the, the, the power of our sacred sexual energy as a gift for me to stay in my body and out of my head. I remember looking at my son one day when he was maybe only two and the light was streaming through the window and it was catching his eyelashes. And it was just like, he was so beautiful, but my body got turned on. I'm like, Am I a pedophile? Like, what the fuck is wrong with me? And so I did a lot of research. I'm like, why would I get turned on looking at my child? And I learned that sexual energy isn't just bound, chicka, bound, bound. Sexual Mm -hmm. energy is creative energy. Mm. It is sacred energy. And it has this, this bandwidth from being this healing, caring, nurturing, tender energy. It also is creative. I think I'll write a book. I think I'll do a podcast. I think we'll go to the park. I think we should take a vacation. Like he's like, we need to dress you as Swamp Queen, Mama, and I'm going to be Spider Man. <laughs> we're going to go down to the pier in July. I'm like, yes, we are. And you know, this great creative energy is actually sacred sexual energy, aliveness in mm. our body. Sacred sexual energy is also, oh hell no, boundaries. Mm-hmm. And if we keep our heart open, fierce love. If we close our heart, that fierce energy can be cruel to ourselves or others, right? And then, of course, the whole bandwidth would be, you know, your sacred sexual energy and orgasmic, wild, erotic fun. So I realized, oh my God, my sacred sexual energy was a gift to get through that time because it kept me 
in my body, open to divine life force energy, healing me, inspiring me, cradling me, keeping me creative. We're having dinner underneath the table tonight with flashlights, macaroni and cheese, no no forks and spoons. We're eating with our fingers, like all the crazy shit. Oh my God, I love it. I was inspired to do. He was, my child was a gift to heal from the divorce, a gift to heal from my mom and a gift to keep me in my body. He's the biggest well, and I love that his name is Gabriel. I'm named after the angel Gabriel um, because it took my it took my mom six years to get pregnant with me. So she was like, this is my miracle child. Um, yes, yes. So I love that. And mm-hmm. I, I feel like children are always choosing what parents to come to, yeah. to learn the lessons they need to learn, but also to teach us the shit that we need to learn. Totally. Yeah. My son would see my mom. She'd be in the living room or she'd be in the back seat or she'd be in the car. And even when I was changing his diaper, when he was really small, I'd feel a presence beside me and he wouldn't be looking at me. He'd be looking at this presence beside Mm -hmm. me. And I think it was my mom. And when he got older, he's like, she's right there. You just need to believe. Or or sometimes he'd he'd just like go off and his eyes would glaze over. And one of the things I hated about my uh, um, annoyed me, remember we were talking about that with my ex-husband is he wasn't present. Oh, I'm there now. My son is not present. And and that triggers my safety issue. And so mm. I'd be like, be present with me. He's like, mom, I'm talking to the angels. I'm like, oh, <sighs> he's like, I'm being overly present. You be present. <laughs> yeah. I'm like listening to the divine. Can we just chill, mom? Oh my God. I love it. Okay. So how did this 12 year, which is so exhausting and so fucking expensive. I can't even like imagine. How did the 12 year custody battle conclude? Yeah. Lost the house. Oh. Spent quarter of a million of savings, was in mm. a quarter million of debt, and six one fifteen arrived on not my custodial day with his dad. Left the front door open. Dad was in the driveway. I'm living with dad, so I'd lost everything, but at least I hadn't lost him. Mm-hmm. And he left the door open. He was really pushy and really mean, and he went and took all of his stuff, even like the bear that he had from like when he was five days old, like everything. And then he slammed the door and, and I, I just crumpled to the floor. I, it, it was, I can remember it to this day, like cold marble floor, but there were no tears. I couldn't cry. It was just like, there was nothing left. Yeah. And I remember th- here, I couldn't hear the car pull away. And I, I looked out the window and I saw, and he was standing right in front of his dad's car with his hand on his heart, like a sentinel. It didn't make any sense at the time, but I was like, okay, whatever. And then I told my staff, I, I need to have a nervous breakdown Thursday through Sunday. And I need to work Monday through you know, Wednesday. So find me a place in the middle of nowhere because I can't function. And yeah. I I went out outside of LA, outside of Palm Springs, and I just sat on that deck every weekend and I felt my feelings. I felt like, what if he never calls again? Mm-hmm. What if everybody opts out of Facebook because I'm a loser? You know, what if I die alone? Like all the what, what mm-hmm. ifs. And then I, I created this uh, process where at the beginning of the sentence, I said, even though I may never see my son again. I love and appreciate myself. I love and approve of myself. And I went through all of this list until one day out on this deck, I had this like, I call it like a direct experience where the gravity fell away. I couldn't tell where I ended and the cosmos began. And I just had this sense of oneness. Like I could come home to myself no matter what happened on the outside. I was one with myself and instantly one with the divine because of all that had happened. So he moved in with his dad. He didn't call that first time for about five months. And was that court ordered or was that his choice? That was his choice. Okay. Um, and after five months, he called and he goes, mom, I know what I'm doing. 
This is the way to end the battle. Dad has to win. I know what I'm doing. Don't stop me. Wow. So at 15, I let him live with his dad and we would see each other secretly. We called it like facials and hamburgers. And Hmm. uh, because if he mentioned my name, rage would happen at his dad's house. So it was just easier on him. And I still had legal and physical custody, but I decided to take the high road and let him do that. And it was fine. It was not fun until COVID hit. And then ever since then, I haven't heard from him. So it's been three years. And you don't know why there was no like explanation? The only thing I can think of, and but this was no different than it had always been, but I think with everything else compounded, it might have been the straw that broke the camel's back with the facials. I had gotten him a facial in between when I was in town, and, and then I was in Austin doing a speech at an event, and everything with the world was starting to shut down. I go, hey, you have a facial tomorrow. If you can't get there, call, be responsible, take accountability, and just call and say, I can't make it. He didn't make it. Uh, he didn't call. And so I texted and said, Hey, you know, we always talk about being accountable and being responsible. Please just call and make up for the damage done. Clean up your mess and just say, I'm sorry. I, I was a no show. And that's the last I heard of him. So, but that's no different than I've always been. I've always been like that, but add right. COVID, add his baseball scholarship. I mean, mm-hmm. he didn't get it. Like, I don't even know what happened. He probably didn't go to college. I don't know if he went to college, but maybe it was everything at once. And then isn't it always fun to blame mom? So whatever. I don't know. I have no idea. Oh my God. I can't imagine how difficult that must be on a mother's end after all the bullshit that took place over those 12 years. Yeah. And as you so beautifully say, like your life has been the perfect curriculum for your books and your movement and what you're here to learn personally and share with others. It's got to be part of my curriculum. I believe, Gabrielle, he will call again. I do. Mm -hmm. I believe he's working out his karma with his dad. And Mm -hmm. I believe I need to do the work of not being bitter, not being a victim for good two of the first three years, because there was the intensity of of the pandemic as well. I just sort of put it away and had a good attitude and served others. I'm just going to be a mom to all my clients. And then last Mother's Day, I did my, you know, obligatory, sorry, you know, happy Mother's Day to everybody. And then I went into the closet with a candle and a bottle of Prosecco. And a, you know, thing of Kleenex. And I looked at myself in the mirror. I can't escape the truth when I look in my own eyes. I can look in yours and I can be of service and I can be a contribution and I can kind of operate on top of it. But I can't get away from looking in my own soul. And so I just looked and I just sobbed probably three hours. And I just connected with myself. And I said, oh, honey, this is, this is beyond, beyond. Mm-hmm. This is a pain that I would never wish death of a child on anyone, but at least it's final. And you know mm-hmm. what happened. And then you can like, move on. And, and there's right. some certainty or concreteness with what's going on. Like, I don't know where he lives. I don't know if I'll ever see him again. It's sort of like this open wound. It's yeah. just there. And so I just, I just felt the feels. Mm. And some days are better than others. And <sighs> I do my best to be happy for others. And then I just be real with myself and have a good cry. I have to say, it's like really fucking inspiring. We talk a lot about this show on like the definitive choice that you have to be a victim to your hurt, to your circumstances, to whatever bullshit life has thrown at you. And I think, you know, it's really easy for a lot of people to stay in that mentality. Mm. You have a reason to be like, (laughs) I got a good one. (laughs) This shit fucking sucks. Like, I don't. Yeah. No, I'm done. Like this is I'm tapped out. 
And the fact that you still can sit here and say, I have to believe that there's a reason for it. I just Mm. don't know what it is yet. And so we're going to keep on keeping on. It's so fucking inspiring. Uh And I hope people that are listening to this are zooming out a little bit and giving, getting a little perspective and being like, wow, my shit's not necessarily that fucking bad. Mm. Like, let's start to change the, because when you're living in the victim mentality, you're not creating anything and you're definitely not creating what you want. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. It's taught me that, and I'm a geek, I interview a lot of like quantum physicists on my show because I always want to see like, where is my intuition actually accurate? What am I sensing that's actually real? And apparently 99.9% of this universe is not seen. It's all the energy. Mm. And point zero one is matter, what we can see. And so I thought, well, his being, his soul is everywhere. Just like my mom who died, your dad who died, everybody's like in the field. They didn't go anywhere. It's just their body's not here. We can talk with them. We can feel them. We can, mm-hmm. we're quantum entangled on some level. So I, I have my days where I get out this particular journal that's just for him. And it can go like a long time, like almost six, eight months before I write to him. But I sit down and I write and then I feel him. I just imagine he's here and what he would say. And maybe I'm living in fantasy, but I believe it's real. And I believe he can feel me. Mm. I can believe that. And I send him like, I forgive you. And you better fucking apology. Apologize. And when you get back, I want to foot rub. And like, too <laughs> so sad if you have a girlfriend, because I'm going to be hugging you and holding on to you for like days, weeks, whatever. I Then I will be normal, maybe. But yeah. I'll I don't do- know about the people listening to this, but I'm like, can I have his name so I can go track him down and find him and be like, hey, did you know how awesome your fucking mom is? We need you to come back into the picture because now I'm invested. So <laughs> Thank you. I find it really interesting when you talk about kind of like, because let's call it what it is. We were saying on your show that heartbreak and grief, it's like they're one in the same family. It's under the same umbrella. It's like universal. So yes. with you know the loss that you've had of the relationship with your son, people write into me all the time and they're like, I've been betrayed. I've been heartbroken. I don't know how to get over it. And like, how do you trust again? So what Uh, is your answer of having to trust again after a heartbreak? Oh, such a great question. To me, trust is never found on the outside because we can't control shit. People will be imperfect, right? (laughs) People will always, even your amazing Tay is a human and he will piss you off at some point, you know, even if it's only 2% of the time. And (laughs) I tried so many decades to find safety in a man, in money, in a career, in my child, in all these things on the outside, because they hadn't yet. I'd always done the work, but never quite all the way. I don't even know if I'm all the way now, but I'm a hell of a lot better trusting myself that come what may, I got my back. Yep. If they reject me, I won't reject me. If they leave me all alone, I got myself. I got the divine. And it's really deep in my spiritual practice and my embodiment practice to not just think it, which is a good start, is better than having negative thoughts, but to feel it. Because it's mm-hmm. fucking exhausting to do 10 more affirmations every day. Amen. I want to feel it in my soul, <laughs> in my heart, in my gut, in my pussy. I want to feel it in my bones that I'm <laughs> safe and I can trust myself no matter what. Mm-hmm. So that to me is the path, the how of the path. I've been doing this work for 20 years. So very much trained in, I don't believe talk therapy to me is like the t- tip of the iceberg. You know, it's your beliefs, your thoughts, whatever. In general, your average talk therapy is going to give you relief and a better point of view. And that's going to be great. But I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in what's under the water, the girth of that humongous iceberg. I want lasting healing and transformation that lasts. Like that's all I'm interested in for myself and for my clients. 
So I've been trained in different modalities that deal with image, thought, emotion, body sensation, these quantum ways that uh, trauma gets stored, not just in our mind, but in our body, in our Mm -hmm. body, so that I can help people have a lasting embodiment of the gift of the shit. So the betrayal, yes, we can forgive, but not as a thought, like in our bones. Like, mm-hmm. this does not trigger me anymore. I saw him at dinner out with the, as the new wife. Nothing happened. Mm-hmm. The mother-in-law came over. Nothing happened. Like, I'm actually okay. Like, it's in my blood. Like, that's what I'm committed to teaching. And I'm, I've done a very good job over 20 years until about a year and a half ago, I had met this charismatic, like another repeat of my dad, charismatic man at this event and fell madly in love. And moved in about four months later. And a week after moving in, choked me, pinned me down, kicked him off. Fuck you, cunt. Uh, And the craziest thing happened, Gabrielle. I stood there with my arms open, shaking, naked. He did this right after making love. So I was in my most vulnerable open time. And then Mm -hmm. this. And my body wouldn't move. I was not going to leave that room. My head said, oh, you should run. This is not healthy. But something much bigger than my mind was running the show. And this relationship lasted 10 months until the last time he assaulted me, I screamed so hard and he'd broken my phone. I couldn't call anybody. The police came, arrested him and threw him in jail. Now, I'd never been in a physical abusive relationship before. I'd had the 12-year custody battle. But how the hell is somebody who does the work, helps all these people getting worse in the men I choose, not better? And so what I hadn't tried, I'd done ayahuasca maybe 20 years ago and had this wonderful tier three experience. I was out in the cosmos. I know we're all one, but I couldn't bring it back into my body to make healthy choices. Something else was still running the show in my body on the planet. Mm -hmm. So I started a different use of psychedelic medicine called psychedelic somatic integration, where all of the work, it's blindfolded and it's very little bit of medicine, either ketamine, MDMA or cannabis in the body. And all you do, it's like no story, no leaving, but let's follow the body from what I discovered was that I was looping in level four hypervigilant trauma from a little kid. I didn't know. Okay, wait, can you, can you explain that to people that didn't understand what you just said? Okay. Like the looping. Yeah. I didn't understand this either. So I'll break it down from all the traumas. We'll start with one all the way up to four. You're a gazelle and you're in the safari and you're at zero and you're just happy as a pig and shit. One is like, oh, I hear something in the bushes. So you're alert. You'd experience being scared, mad, sad, annoyed, overwhelmed, nervous, something like that. Level one. And then it goes away. You go back to zero. Your body knows how to do that. Level two, oh shit, it's a cheetah. It's chasing me. A very short burst of fuck. And it's panic or anger. It's very, very intense, very, very short. And then the cheetah runs away, gets doesn't catch you. And your autonomic nervous system goes back to zero. Well, growing up in in a traumatic environment, your body doesn't get a chance to go back to zero. There's no grandma's house to go to to get away from the abusive situation. So you move into level three, which is like hopeless. What's the point? This Mm -hmm. is never going to end. What's wrong with me? Suicidal ideations, all of that. It keeps happening. So that for the cheetah example would be, oh my God, the cheetah caught me. You've seen Mm -hmm. the animals that go like, they look like they're dead, but they're not. And if the cheetah puts down the gazelle, the gazelle will run away. So you still have choice. You still have perspective. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not going very well, but you at least could wish something else and would make a choice if you could. Right. But if it keeps happening over and over and over and over as a kid, level four trauma is like, I'm out of here. 
Disassociation means you leave your body. It's too much to process. There's Mm -hmm. no downtime for your autonomic nervous system to get the reprieve to reset back to zero. Mm -hmm. So you just get stuck, held, looping in this hypervigilance while not being in your body, while sort of having a fake happy face, having this sense of calmness, but it's really numbness. It's really non-emotion and numbness out in the cosmos. And so I didn't know that was me. And I realized when I started to do this work that I was looping in that. And when you loop in that, your body, not your mind, your body is serving life for that cheetah. Your body is serving, where's the abuser? Got to survive the abuser. So I would go to a networking event and go with my mind, where's the investor for my company? But my body was going, where's the abuser to survive? So Mm. I would attract people who have taken hundreds of thousands of my dollars and never given it back. And I didn't see it coming. I'm a very Mm. clever Ivy League grad, but my body was running the show, not my mind. Mm. And then I would go to an event where I wanted to meet, you know, a beloved. And my brain said, we're going to look for a healthy man who treats you right. But my body was looping in this hypervigilance. Where's the abuser to survive? We survived the last abuser. Now we need to master surviving the abuser. So I would keep ranking up the notch of the, oh, I survived that narcissist. How about a sociopath? I survived that. How about an abusive guy? Says the subconscious, unconscious, underneath the water iceberg, my Mm. body. Does that make sense? Oh my God. Yeah. And it's like terrifying to come to that realization. Terrifying and uh, come to Jesus, forgive myself moment. Release of like, at least I have an answer as to what's been fucking happening. Right. Right. I could forgive myself. So as I went through this, I came back into my body and then all along with that came memories I'd never had before, physical sensations of penetration, smells and words. You made me do this. You like this. Don't tell anyone. All of this mental illness conversations, all of it came flooding back. And in this protocol, psychedelic somatic integration work in this protocol, Trust body, surrender to body. So the body was recapitulating what had happened to me as a kid that I had disassociated and forgotten. Just stand there, be afraid, don't move. Mm. Because that's what happened with the ex-boyfriend. When the abuse happened, I befriended him. I stayed. My body Mm. did, not my mind. My body took over. So I realized, oh, that's why you said nothing. That's why you told nobody. Mm -hmm. That's why you stayed and befriended him. Why you thought you could heal him. It was this wound, this trauma wound in my body. And so finally, it allowed my body to come all the way back in that hyper, really crazy little moment. I would push back because I never got to do that as a kid. I spoke back because I never got to speak back as a kid. And then, and this is what was so nourishing, Gabrielle, as I got back to zero with the support of my facilitator in this process. And it was the peace and well-being that I'd only ever known when I meditate do breath work, do ayahuasca, have an orgasm, dance all night long under the full moon, like that bliss that I'd only had sort of leaving my body. Mm -hmm. I had it in my body. Mm. Peace in my bones and Mm -hmm. discernment and groundedness and awareness and confidence. I'm allowed to take up space. I don't have to apologize for my existence as soon as a man walks in the room. Mm-hmm. And I could retrain now that my nervous system and I were partners yeah. and I was back in my body. I could retrain myself when a handsome investor came in or a handsome potential single man came in. I watched myself go, 
I'm like, no, we don't need to do that anymore. I could have choice, Mm -hmm. perspective, practice to exude my energy out and no longer apologize for being me. Oh my God, that's so beautiful. And when was this, like, when did this kind of revelation happen? Well, the very first, so Thanksgiving a year and a half ago was when the assault happened and the arrest happened. And I began in Q1 doing this work. So I've been doing this work for about a year, year and a half. Now I'm getting trained as a facilitator in it because there's nothing. I've done the work for 20 years, but never been able to heal this trauma. It was a blind spot to me. Yeah. And so that very first weekend session is when I realized what had actually happened. And the facilitator at the beginning was a woman. And she said, so sweet. She's like, baby girl, it wasn't your fault, which the brain knows, but I Mm -hmm. actually could embody forgiveness and understand why I'd attracted all these patterns of men. And then over time, got more and more empowered, embodied. And now... There was a period of time through this that I felt very um, neutered, like a new little bud coming out, no mm-hmm. libido at all, so pure, so innocent, but so aware. And now I'm feeling more like an embodied sensual being with healthy boundaries, discernment and awareness, and a true readiness for love. But it's I was going to say, you're you're going to good year. Yeah, you're going to be in such a different space now to attract a different type of person. It's totally. going to be wild when it happens. Yes, it will. I can't wait to tell you. Yeah, it will be wild. And also, it was humbling because it was everywhere. It wasn't just in my relationships. It was in my work dynamics. I would always overgive my time, mm. energy, money, body, whatever it was, just so you don't get mad at me. Right. So I would overgive uh, to my clients and to my staff, uh, all of these. So I've had to write and balance my whole life. Yeah. But that's okay. What else am I going to do with myself? I'm in my 50s. I got another 50 years ahead of me. Like, <laughs> Okay. So yeah, I want to touch on that. You're in your 50s. You've been divorced twice and you just went through this, like what I'm going to call a spiritual awakening and like this yes. big healing journey. Yeah. Can you talk to people a little bit about I get people that write into me that are in their 30s and they're like, if I haven't found someone by now, I'm never going to have kids. I'm never going to find the love of my life. And I'm like, there's so much fucking life you have yet to live. So I want to touch a little bit on being alone versus being lonely and how you kind of keep the mentality that you have after all that you've been through in your 50s being like, no, I can't wait to find the fucking guy that's going to be amazing with me. Yeah. While simultaneously feeling the most at peace and whole alone if I never find him. Right. right? Which is like the goal. That's the goal. Yeah. And I have literally had in this spiritual awakening given my life to the divine. Like, I think I know how to run a company, but maybe not. You show me what to do. I think Mm -hmm. I know how to do relationship. Clearly not. You show me what to do. I really look forward to my son returning. But if you want something different, so be it. Like just surrender with my eyes wide open, heart wide open, one foot in front of the other showing up. Like I'm going to put out there what I desire, but I'm not going to be attached. Show me the way. Yeah. So I would say to people who haven't found absolute peace in, in your aloneness, that's your work to do. Mm. You've had wonderful travels. I've lived in Japan, backpacked all over Southeast Asia, Africa, et cetera. So I think travel is a wonderful way to learn how to trust. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-uh. Learn to trust your intuition. Learn to start to have joy in the sacredness of the unknown and an uncertainty, not the negative of it, the beauty and the wonder and the mystery of the unknown. I have one of my processes is called, you know, making love 
with the divine, making love with life. Mm-hmm. Like if you literally gave your juiciness and essence to life and you let it penetrate you with whatever it had for you that day and you start to create that relationship with your walls down and your heart open, just going to the grocery store, going on a trip, going out to have dinner by yourself and having a great time. This is very important to be in action that way and to face your discomfort. The other side of it is when you feel sad, scared, hopeless, is not to push it away, drug it away, social media it away. Sit in that damn fire Mm. and go find the you and don't go in there to fix her. Go into your heart, throw away the key and literally be willing to sit with that part of you who's so desiring of another in order to feel good enough or to feel whole or feel complete or feel calm or whatever you're wanting. Sit with her and say, I'm willing to sit with you for eternity, even if you never change and love you as you Mm. are and not fix you. So much of our personal growth work is in order to. I'm going to do the work in order to look good, lose 10 pounds, find the guy, get the money, whatever. That's that's actually, that's an agenda. Mm -hmm. That's a strategy. And that part of our soul doesn't want to be conditionally loved. It wants to be unconditionally loved. And so while there is adventure and action and showing up and doing the work, that's important. The other half, that's on the outside. The other half is on the inside. Be willing to get support to be able to sit and feel and not abort yourself, not forsake yourself. Because I promise you, I have never sat in a cave personally or with another where if we, if we sat long enough and felt long enough, it always, always, it's never not gone this way. Turn to the light. It always Mm. has into the forgiveness, into the peace, the calm, the wholeness, the, the evolution of your soul. Mm -hmm. And so learn how to get brave feeling your feelings. That's what I would say. Mm. The guy could die. The guy Mm -hmm. could cheat. It could be the end of the sacred contract. It could be a lovely breakup, like a conscious uncoupling, but you, there's no guarantee that you're always going to have somebody in order to feel okay. So it's imperative that we find wholeness with ourself. And my experience when I do, I call it like kind of like little Russian dolls. Like when I have little use back and I really do without any agenda to change her, simultaneously, I kind of look around. I'm like, oh, hi, divine. Mm -hmm. You've got my back. Oh, thanks. That feels good. So I can both rest and hold, you know, be held and hold all at the same time. And it's an exquisite feeling of alignment and balance. That's our birthright. Oh my God. Fucking beautiful. I hope everyone like rewinds the last five minutes and <laughs> listens to that speech again because I will be doing so. <laughs> Alana, I can't thank yeah. you enough. This has been so mm. incredibly wonderful. Thank you for being so open and vulnerable with your own journey. I love when experts and coaches can mm. use their trauma and their healing and their experience to like allow people to feel safe and seen and heard. And I think you are such a beautiful example of that. So thank you for your generous vulnerability today. Can you tell everybody where they can find your podcast, which is on fucking season 11 now, um, and all of your things and your social Mm -hmm. media and all of the the good stuff? Thank you, honey. Yeah. Intimate conversations of which you are a guest. Uh, That's the podcast. The YouTube channel has over five and a half million views at this point. So it's doing really well answering people's questions. So go there. Instagram at Alana Pratt, my site, Alana Pratt. And if you go forward slash quiz, there's an intimacy blind spot assessment. A lot of us clever people who do the work, listen to these podcasts, read the books. We do what we can see and we can only get so far. If the pattern's still repeating, 
that you're mm-hmm. repelling that love, that intimacy, it's got to be a blind spot. So this quiz allows you to see things from a different point of view. So you can take your power back and stop saying what's wrong with me and start doing the work. And then if anything that I've been sharing, whether it's the PSI work, whether it's my coaching, I've got retreats, being around me and the incredible community that I've created, it's a safe place to reveal your batshit crazy and to be empowered in your glory and to truly do the deep under the water, that iceberg, the deep subconscious work in a lasting way. So you can have the intimacy with yourself, your body, the divine and your beloved that you deserve. Fuck yeah, girl. Nobody better DM me asking any goddamn advice questions until you go take that motherfucking quiz. I'm just saying. Like... Don't do it. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. I so genuinely appreciate it. Oh, and have an amazing birth of ease and grace. Eat in and out burger. Have a blast and doing uh, all the things. (laughs) Yeah, do it. Do it. Yeah. Congratulations. Thanks for having me. I told y'all, I told you all it was a good fucking episode. I want to thank Alana so fucking much for coming on and being so vulnerable and open and truthful and sharing so much goodness. Um, Please go check out her pages. And um, the conversation that I had with her on her podcast was really a fun, beautiful one as well. We talked a lot about Tay and um, my relationship with him. And she had some really spiritual and insightful interesting questions. So I know you guys will get a kick out of that too. It's not the normal type of interview where I'm just talking about my book and the story the whole time. It's a really great conversation I think you guys would love. So go search for my episode on her show as well and go take that fucking quiz. Don't pass go. Do not collect $200. Go to her goddamn website and take the fucking quiz, you guys, because what a gift that is to be able to know if there's some shit that's keeping you from creating the fucking life you want. I love you all. I will see you next week. All right, FMLers, if you don't want to miss an episode, make sure to follow on your favorite podcast app. And if you're loving the show, drop us a five-star rating and leave a review. You can keep up with me on Instagram at Gabrielle Stone or the podcast page at FML Talk Podcast. For all the merch and books signed personally by me, you can shop the FML line on eatpreyfml.com. And as always, have a fucking self-love cocktail on me. Cheers. Welcome to As a Woman, Fertility Hormones and Beyond. I'm your host, Dr. Natalie Crawford, and I am a fertility physician and co-founder of Fora Fertility in Austin, Texas. We will talk about a wide range of topics, including the menstrual cycle, your hormones, infertility, IVF, mental health, and well, beyond. So join us and become part of the community of collaboration that amplifies others as a woman. This podcast has been brought to you by Podcast Nation.